Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. And don't hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Barking Bit. He's your host, Ben Mason. And he's your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking October's listener pick, selected by Zero, 1998's The Thing Meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers Teenager Edition. Or as most people know it as The Faculty. There's no point to give a spoiler warning here, because if anybody's ever seen a sci-fi horror film, they've seen this movie. May, they may not have actually seen The Faculty, but The Faculty does not shy away from the fact that it has plagiarized multiple different sci-fi films. Um, what's your background here? Uh, I knew it was a movie that existed. Mm -hmm. So, never caught it when it came out in 98, early 2000s, anything like that? No. Interesting. I had some familiarity with the cast from trailers and posters. And that's about it. Yeah. I had no idea that this was the baby version of the thing for babies. It really is, though, right? <laughs> it is. It totally is. Like, they, they straight up reference Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Never the thing, which I find it shares a lot more with. They don't reference Body Snatchers. They run it parallel to the plot of this movie. Yeah, but I mean, by name, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean, like, it's not like they just happen to mention it. Like, they, they use it as a resource for the events that are taking place in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, the, the entire film is a knockoff. But is it good? Does it work as a 1998 teen sci-fi horror film? We'll get into that. But Robert Rodriguez directing... Odd choice for me. Very odd choice. The story had been written in 1990, and they just sat on it. And then with Scream becoming so popular, like, we need another teen horror film. Let's bring in Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, and I know what you did last summer, and, and get him to punch up this script. And honestly, man, this feels like a Kevin Williamson written movie. I don't know if you, you got any of that out of it, but... Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was, I was like, yes, this is Kevin William West, definitely. <laughs> See, I find that he has a very, very noticeable writing style. Like, you look at anything he's done, you look at this, you look at, I know you did last summer, you look at Scream, you look at Cursed, you look at Dawson's Creek, you look at Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Like, these are, like, it's, it's, he doesn't have a lot of diverse writing examples. They're, they're all pretty much the exact same thing, the same types of characters. Just so happens that for me, I really appreciate those. But having Rodriguez and Williamson work together, I didn't know that when I watched it the first time, or second, or third. But going into it now, I was definitely paying attention to see if their traits popped out of this movie. And so far, only Williamson. You could have replaced Rodriguez for me, and I wouldn't have known. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> well, you don't know any Rodriguez movies, do you? No! Okay, like, that's fine. Like, I might know the movies. You know, you, you referenced a bunch of stuff by Kevin Williamson just there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. We reviewed that. I know that. 
no idea that he did any of that because I don't pay attention to that stuff. Oh, see, that's that's part of the fun for me, man. See how everything comes together, the behind the scenes stuff, as well as what we see on screen. Because, I mean, if you go back and, oh, yeah, you can't listen to our Scream episode. It's great. <laughs> but uh, I know it's it's time for the game coming up. But I do we I know we don't have the awards from zero this time, unfortunately. Do we know why he selected this film for us? No, sir. Wonderful. So I guess we'll go right into your game, which I am absolutely terrified to play. Okay. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> this is not a fun one. <laughs> and by saying that, I mean for you, because I'm going to have a blast with it. The cast of this movie is probably the craziest one we've ever covered. I, I honestly don't know. I feel like if there are any people in this movie we've covered, which we should have, the cast, like I said, is insane. I don't really know if we've covered any movie that really focuses on any of these actors. So I'm going to have to ask you, yes, please tell me those stats. Uh, there's two that were prominent roles in other movies, and then there was two that were very much cameos that I don't expect you to get. Okay. Um, you're going to have to give me the names because there's just so many people. Oh, come on, where's the fun in that? Like, did we ever cover Josh Hartnett? We did. 30 Days of Night. See, now if I tell you the actor, then that just gives it away because you know it was 30 Days of Night. I just thought of that right now. So that's one. Was he in anything else? He was so good in that. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, no, that was the only one for him. Okay, and then we've got another big one? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, there's one other big one, which has actually appeared in one major role and one cameo, and that was Robert Patrick. I do like Robert Patrick a lot, but I don't know what we've talked about him. He's been in so many things. Did he have a prominent role? Yes. I just said he had one prominent role and one cameo. Prominent role, Robert Patrick. I actually think I'm making this too easy for you at this point. I don't know. <laughs> so he was Double Dragon. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> we even talked about that movie earlier today. Yes. Yes, we did. And uh, he had a very, very short cameo in Last Action Hero. Oh, that's right. It's the T-1000. Yep. Yeah, and then the other two are absolutely minor and I don't expect you to get. I, well, I have no idea. Uh, so we had uh, Clea, is it pronounced? Clea Duval, yeah. Clea? Clea? Clea. As what? Oh, you weren't going to try and guess if I gave you the actor. Okay. Um... <sighs> Oh, God. It wouldn't be something I can't hardly wait, right? It was can't hardly wait. Nice! <laughs> she was Jaina. Fuck yeah. The girl that Seth asked to dance, and she's like, I'm allergic. Allergic? To dancing? To dancing? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the last one was uh, Laura Harris. And I wouldn't get this in a million years. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, man. I love Laura Harris. Oh, no. Oh, God. You're not going to get it. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know. 
She's just listed as girlfriend in stay tuned. Okay, I don't feel bad about that. There's no way I could guess that. I do. That's what I said. All right, perfect. <laughs> that's not bad. That's not a bad turnout. Because when you look at Josh Hartnett, Elijah Wood, Sean Hattesey, Jordana Brewster, Clay Duvall, Laura Harris, Usher, Robert Patrick, Piper Laurie, Fanka Jansen, Baby Newworth, Selma Hayek, John Stewart. Uh, oh my God, man. Like Danny Masterson and Wiley Wiggins. That it, they've been in so many movies. There's no yeah. way. There's no way I was going to guess everything. Yeah. And um, like I looked through a lot of pages of a lot of big names for this movie, expecting that there would be a lot. And I'm like, we just haven't crossed a lot of these people's paths. No, we, <laughs> we did not. I don't know how. I don't know how we haven't touched on Elijah Wood yet. We just haven't. Oh, <laughs> there, is, there is one, one performer that I was curious about and looked into who was also in a movie we covered, but their scenes were deleted. Now, keep in mind, I don't look at uncredited or... Uh, like the uncredited section of IMDb, because no, I know it's that it's you know you look at like Star Wars, it's like uncredited person in a stormtrooper helmet. It's like that's not even like fair. Right? But apparently, this person was in multiple scenes. Oh, okay. Uh, in, in the faculty, you, do you remember the arguing couple? I do. I don't know why I would focus on them, but yeah, I just thought they were funny, and they keep popping up. I'm like, who are these people? Um. The girl in the relationship is Summer Phoenix, the youngest sibling of Joaquin Phoenix. And she was also in Can't Hardly Wait. Oh! She even had a, a name. Her character was Candy, but all of her scenes deleted. Oh. Yeah, well, sucks Man. for her, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she had five movies that came out the same year, the faculty and Can't Hardly Wait being two of them, so I think she's doing fine. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into this one, then. Yeah, and we have to, because there is no slow start to this movie. Like, we jump right into football practice, um, while Coach Joe Willis, played by Robert Patrick, is full-on in rage mode, and we've got the offspring playing, it's action-packed, it looks great. This is how you do an opening! For a teen film, 100%. I'll take this for, like, every movie. Don't give me some, like slow word crawl or like scenic panning unless it's actually serving a purpose because you get a lot of these where it's like it's just nothing well this is not what you expect from a science fiction film i would expect not necessarily a text crawl but maybe a slow pan and, and like a little bit of a a build but hitting us really hard with football practice at this high school hennington high was a great idea well that's just it give me something fast action paced and just Demand my attention right away and tell me, like, buckle in. Yeah, and what, what's your take on Robert Patrick right here? I, I mean, you would think that this is a very over-exaggerated uh, form of a football coach. Yeah. But I will have you know <laughs> <laughs> that this is actually very reminiscent of my football coach in high school that I was very terrified of. Oh, I'm right there with you, man. I get it. But we also meet, well, very briefly meet Stan, uh, played by Sean Hattesey, and Gabe, played by Usher, before Coach Willis freaks out and flips a massive fucking bench. This, this man is a superhuman, because it looks like there's 
four massive jugs of Gatorade on this bench, too, and he flips it effortlessly. Well, that's the rage, man. He is such an intimidating presence. I find him even more intimidating when he's trying to be nice later in the movie. Oh, yeah, because you're just like, what's this guy planning? Exactly. <laughs> At least with him freaking out, like, tipping over the bench, you're like, okay, I, I know what I'm expecting here. I, yeah. I know this. <laughs> yeah, this all makes sense. I get this guy. <laughs> but yeah, after practice, uh, we get that cliched, somebody unseen by the audience but known by character X approaches for nefarious means. Not a fan. Not a fan of a cliche like that so soon into a movie that I'm expecting is going to be full of them. I do like how it sets up a bit of a, a mystery element to the film. Who do you think it was? I think it's the queen. Do you? Yeah. Because I'm very curious to know who gets infected when. So maybe we'll go over that. I had that same thought too, but it's nowhere near as fun as trying to figure out when people in the thing get taken over. Because mm -hmm. a lot of these, it's like, there's a few. There's a few. Like the Delilah one really confuses me when that happens. Yeah, me too. But a lot of the other ones, it's like, you know exactly when it happens. And they do most of them on screen. Yeah. I would like more mystery. Outside of who the, you know, Patient Zero is for this school specifically, because we know who the queen is, but like you said, it might not have been the queen doing this exactly. There's not a lot of mystery. Yeah, and that's, that's really weird for Williamson, because look at Scream, look at, I know he did last summer. You are questioning yourself a fair amount, and we do get a scene of that a little bit later, but it's very short and sweet. But with, with Scream lends itself to so many rewatches because you're trying to figure out who was in the costume at what time. It, it, it adds another layer of the experience of the film. But anyway, that night, back at Harrington High, Principal Drake, played by Baby Newerth, and teachers argue over the uses of school funding. Did this scene really do anything for no. you at all? Yeah. No. Honestly, it was just set up to have the teachers in the school, like, late at night when no one else is around. Yeah. But it didn't need to be this long. It literally could have been them leaving a meeting, and you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, because they put a lot of uh, emphasis on how the only money being spent is on the football team. But by starting off the film with an intense football practice, we already know that football is going to be a big theme in this movie. So we don't need that. And the funding of the team has no bearing on their impact. Because obviously, infecting the football team, if they're traveling to games, you're spreading. But the funding is pointless. The teachers complaining is pointless. All you need to do is place them in the school at a late hour for no reason, and you're good to go. Yeah, because after that, all we do is find out that uh, Principal Drake forgot her keys in her office and has to go back to get them. Literally could have started a scene with it being dark outside, her leaving the building to go to her car and yep. saying, oh, I forgot my keys. Yeah. We do get a very creepy Coach Willis here, though. <laughs> this guy is so good. And he really wants a pencil. <laughs> he's so good. He's, so, he's great. He is great every time he's on screen. That pencil through the palm of the hand. Why? I don't know, but I liked it a lot. 
I'm not saying I didn't like it, but in the majority of the scenarios, there's no need for violence prior to infection. Mm -hmm. And then in this scenario, he it's is he just like uh, the what living element of him inside the host, whatever? I have no. He's just living out something they've wanted to do because she's gonna heal when she gets infected. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. What are your thoughts on the chase scene that happens immediately after this? Uh, it's just meant to set up some action. Because if he just walked in, leaned over and infected her, you'd be like, well, that was pretty slow. Well, I thought it was pretty intense, though. I thought it was actually really well done. Uh, although there was one part that I laughed out loud at. I don't think that was their intent. And that's where she's trying to get out of a window. And he runs down the hall into the room, blowing the whistle. It looked really dumb. <laughs> and it sounded hilarious. And he just gets taken out with some desktop item smashed over his head. I forget what it was. But as far as the chasing goes, it, it, it is well done. And Drake finally escapes the school, only to be stabbed to death by the drama teacher, Mrs. Olsen. A decent swerve here. Definitely seemed like they had worked together and planned it. So Olsen could be the distraction and not really help drake get the chains off the door or maybe even like hold it closed if need be but when willis gets close enough olsen doesn't have to really do anything other than pick up the scissors that were dropped and stab her to death but she doesn't stab her to death and again what's with the violence i don't know it's very misleading and that's why i have a note here that just says is this a decent swerve is kevin williamson actually on point here no and it's incredibly hard to believe. It's such a weird misdirect. It doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Well, the whole thing about this is that it's not poorly done, but it's unnecessary. Yeah. Because it doesn't actually have a payoff or much of a purpose. If later on you find out that they need dead hosts, right? Like to, you know, have no conscience in there and just a a fresh body, then that's one thing. But yeah. what is the point of... Because later on you see any sort of like physical interaction for the infection is just to say, like, hold the person down or something like that. Yeah. So the, the big problem with this now, I think we've established, is this is a slasher movie for the opening. There is no sci-fi here whatsoever. Everything about this is a murder mystery. And then it just changes partway into the movie. So everything that we've seen leading up to this point doesn't really make sense. That's exactly what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. I know, but it, it's a tonal shift. It's a thematic shift. I just don't know why. Like this, Williamson and Rodriguez, very, very smart individuals. What the fuck happened here? Yeah. I would accept this if, like, there's a nest that they need to take bodies back to to be possessed. So they need to use violence to incapacitate. And then you could make it look like they're being killed, but when really they're just being, like, knocked out and dragged there or something. Yeah, exactly. And then they just slam us with the title screen. Well, you have to know what you're watching, man. Like, <laughs> like Mandy, where it happens almost at the end of the movie. Yeah. Do you find it an annoying way to introduce the characters? Like the weird character screen freeze frame? Yes. And again, doesn't fit this movie either. No, it really doesn't. I could see it in like a Scooby-Doo type movie. 
I guess so, yeah. You know, where there's a little bit more of a cartoony, over-the-top element? But for this, it's really unnecessary. Yeah, we don't need their names scrawled on screen. Yeah, especially with, like, say, Stan, for example. We already heard his name when the coach was reaming him out during the yeah. practice. Yeah, we know Stan. Yeah. Uh, but we also get Zeke, played by Josh Hartnett, Casey, played by Elijah Wood, Stokely, Clea Duvall, Delilah, Jordana Brewster, and Mary Beth, played by Laura Harris. <sighs> All... <laughs> It's it's just it's every fucking <laughs> high school student character trope. Yeah. It's already so unoriginal. Cuz like how would you describe Zeke? Um like the hidden genius slacker. The cool bad boy. Yeah, well, but the cool bad boy isn't usually the one with like this ridiculous IQ that's Yeah. Cuz the thing about Zeke, for example, it's like the whole time they're talking about how he could have gotten out of there, how smart he is, how he's got all these businesses going, but he doesn't, like, he doesn't apply it. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm, I'm intrigued by this character. I'm not going to learn anything further about him, though. No. So, like, why are you setting this up for me? But I feel like we're supposed to like him more than anyone else. And then we have Casey. What do we know about Casey? He's, uh reclusive nerd character works for the school paper uh yet one of the only characters who we follow on their own for like 20 minutes so already we have three characters we know so far stan zeke and casey and, and who, the, who the fuck is the main character of this movie is it a group or is it an individual because they kind of try and do both and they do both poorly if i had to pick one on paper, like, no ifs, ands, or buts, just put me one main character, I'm going Casey. Yeah. But that's only because I'm forced to do so, and honestly, I don't know. And don't care, probably, because Casey is not an interesting character. I want to know more about Zeke. I want to know more about Stokely. Stan? Stan seems like he could have the best character arc of the entire film. Who? No, apparently not. Delilah, they lead us off right away knowing that she is like the 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 biggest bitch of the film. Mary Beth is just a, an exchange, well, not exchange student. She's just new to town. Yeah, and how many movies do you see where there's like a teen high school thing where it's like the new girl in town is the main character because partially like her assimilation into oh a new school a new group of friends and this and that. Um, yeah, it's like. They, they want to create these main characters, but then this put is, them all in there and not have a main character. Yeah, this is not The Breakfast Club. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it feels like that's what they're trying to drive down our throats. But the shit going on at the school, I don't know if you're paying attention. What's up with the car accident outside? See, the impression I got there is that some of these people are already infected and these aren't their normal personalities, but... I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're just assholes and don't know how to drive. And that's if they're not already infected, and you know, like say, oh, when you get infected, it it heightens some of your more dormant personality traits, so you become a little more aggressive or violent or whatever. Th then okay, yeah, the the accident makes sense. If that's not the case, then there's literally just an accident with two women fighting because 
And I think that's exactly what it is. And then, like, Casey getting elbowed in the face, and then the flagpole incident. Like, this poor bastard. Yeah, we get it. He's the the outcast, and people pick on him. Yeah. You don't have to go that full bore with it. You're you're beating a dead horse at this point. We get it. <laughs> and that, that kid's not walking right for, for a while after that. Yeah, and he's got a long walk to Mount Doom. <laughs> don't worry, Sam will carry him. <laughs> I think you mean Stan. Yeah, Stan will carry him. <laughs> the couple screaming and slapping in the hallway. We see them a few times, but it's just so in your face. That is a dysfunctional relationship. Yeah. Because the guy's not saying anything. It's, no, he's just taking it. She's screaming at him and slapping him in the face. Um, Zeke selling fake IDs to convicted rapist Danny Masterson and Wiley Wiggins in the bathroom. Which is a really interesting way of introducing Zeke's drugs, though, I think. Because he's selling fake IDs, and they are the worst. They look nothing like these kids. So he gets them to go away by giving them this drug that he concocts, that he, he distributes in uh, emptied-out ballpoint <laughs> pen. These guys are so stupid. Yes, they are. <laughs> I mean, like, no, because this fake ID is still garbage. Yeah, but free drugs? I guess technically then I just paid for the drugs. I have to ask you about Zeke's hair. Zeke's haircut in this movie is, is what the fuck is it? Well, first of all, I'm not the right guy to ask about hair. Secondly, it's just like he has these little wing cowlicks <laughs> that are equally on both sides. So it seems so premeditated for a yeah. look that's supposed to be accidental. Like messy look. He, it, it's like a reverse Astro Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish we were watching Astro Boy. The TV show, not, not anything else. On. Well, multiple TV shows. I'll go with the 80s one. Uh, faculty lounge. Immediately, I'm kind of irritated to see Harry Knowles is in this movie. Uh, I don't think you know Harry Knowles. Nope. He ran uh, Ain't It Cool News, I believe. Just a, a, a movie news website way back in the day. Okay. But uh, apparently he's a little bit of a monster. Uh, Salma Hayek, though, is Nurse Harper. Don't remember her in this movie. Well, it didn't need to be her. Nope. She has that, so uh, little screen time and so little uh, of impact that it could have been anybody. I guarantee she's there because Robert Rodriguez is directing. And they are always around each other. I really thought this was foreshadowing. I'm like, oh, the common cold is going to be like one of their weaknesses, isn't it? Oh no, let's mix in a bit of War of the Worlds. Yep. Why stop there? In this original science fiction horror film mm -hmm. John Stewart I love John Stewart it is very weird to see young John Stewart in this movie because I don't picture him as an actor well I like how they really set up some sort of relationship history with him and Selma Hayek mm -hmm. because it totally pays off later nothing in this movie pays off later exactly nothing why why is this movie an hour and 44 minutes to just drop in a bunch of stuff that makes no difference? Tighten it up. It's not necessary. I agree you could trim this down to 90 minutes, maybe even an hour 20. 
I feel like I could go and with an editing software make a nice clean 80 minute version of this movie and lose nothing of impact or yeah. consequence. Did you notice John Stewart's character's name? No, actually I didn't. Professor Edward Furlong. I'm familiar with Mr. Furlong. Yeah. Why? It's a very unique name. There has to be some reasoning there. We'll never know. No. Because there's no payoff ever. We've done a number of movies recently where it's like, you're never going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this stuff happened, but that's it. Famke Jansen as Mrs. Burke. I think this is the only film I've seen her in that I've really appreciated her. The Mrs. Burke character is probably one of the most interesting of the entire faculty. And by faculty, I mean like the actual like teachers, not the film cast. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of hinting to her past and some messed up relationship with Zeke. And it's a good thing that pays off later, too. <sighs> yeah. It really does suggest at the end of the movie, though, that she's doing them. Oh, she's 100% doing them at the end of the movie. There's no way you're hiding that. I just love the how we get two very different extremes from her. It's it seems like when someone is infected, you get the exact opposite of who they were when they were normal. Like look at Coach Willis. Basically looks like a dude going through the final stages of roid rage into a very calm, collected, understanding, conversational teacher. Uh, with Mrs. Burke, she seems very mousy and shy, and when she's infected, she turns into an overly confident, for lack of a better term, sex pot. So, give me the explanation that when this stuff happens, it's because it's letting them live out, like, their true, like, hidden feelings, you know? No, because they don't fucking do that! Well, that's don't what I'm saying! That's, what, that's exactly what I'm saying, though, is like, if you're going to do this, give me an explanation for it. Because, yeah, it would be kind of cool. Where it's like, OK, she's very mousy. And the other personality we see is the one that we get because that's what she secretly wishes she could be. Yes, there is a lot of things in this movie that are implied with no follow through, zero explanation and no resolution. And Correct. We, you and I pick up on things like this. I don't know how many other people watching this movie did or will or won't. Um, but there's way too much going on here for it to be coincidental. So what happened? What, was this movie like two and a half hours long and they just cut shit out of it and it is still too long? There has to be something. I don't think we'll ever find out. <laughs> well, obviously not. This movie is from 1998. No one said shit since then. When, when you experience this movie everything that goes hand in hand with it you will never find out man no did you notice when nurse harper sneezes when one of the teachers has a minor glitch that's no. that's what i thought it was going to be the common cold <sighs> because she sneezes off to the side like by the couch and one of the teachers one of the old teachers at the uh, at the table in the center of the room like, shivers for a second and drops a pencil on the floor. Like, she has no control over herself for a second. Like, she's absolutely terrified by it. Nobody notices the differences 
in the coach or Mrs. Olsen, which I find strange, except for the fact that the coach is thirsty. <laughs> Such, I love John Stewart. That is like the worst line. What's up with coach? He's thirsty. Who yeah. says that? <laughs> I like the idea that we're setting up. I, I love the setting. You know me and high school horror. I love that shit. This is already incredibly frustrating for me. Everything that we've seen here. Oh, strap in, buddy. <laughs> and what was up with that short class scene with um, Mrs. Burke and Zeke? To prove that Zeke's intelligent? Because they try and show us that repeatedly to no point whatsoever. It doesn't come into play. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like, you would think that if he somehow comes up with this genius solution later that the hidden intelligence is a good idea. But he could just be a dumb slacker who just knows how to make drugs. And his purpose in the movie is served in the exact same capacity. I like it, but it doesn't do anything. So we're just padding the film now. What do, you, what do you think about Delilah freaking out at Stan for wanting to quit football and better himself academically? At no point do I get these two as a couple. Well, obviously, the head cheerleader has to date the star football player, right? Isn't that how it always works? Just, like, just take hate. the cliche. <laughs> Just take the cliche and beat me over the head with it. Why don't you? The best part about this is they obviously hate each other. Yeah. She really rips into him, too. It, it, so much of this movie doesn't make sense. Stokely and Mary Beth chat outside. This is where we really bring in the, the science fiction element because Stokely is a gothed up loner and she's reading Robert Heinlein science fiction outside by herself and Mary Beth is a loner and is trying to make friends and she notices the sci-fi book and brings up do you believe in aliens and other dimensions and all that stuff and then the first line where I was like oh man how did I miss this before did you catch it I don't know what you're referring to Mary Beth says I'm feeling pretty alien myself today. Honestly, I did two viewings and I didn't catch that. And I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> as soon as I, I forgot, I forgot who the queen was. I hadn't okay. seen this movie since the 90s. Okay. And I, and I saw that line and I, like I, well, I heard that line like, oh yeah, it's fucking her, isn't it? And the rest of the movie, I was just waiting for the credits. So, the loner Casey has a run-in with Coach Willis. Did that jump scare get you? No. It caught me real good. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But it's because I looked away from the screen at the time. Well, that's why. Then I just got that sound directly behind me, and yeah, I actually jumped. See, because as soon as he was on the football bleachers eating his lunch, I'm like, alright, he's gonna have an interaction or a visible, like, reveal with the coach yeah i i don't remember him picking up the specimen the parasite that he found on the field i didn't know that's what it was because honestly if you look at it i went back and rewatched it a couple of times it just looks like he's picking up a piece of shit off the field but he takes it to furlong and this whole scene is too much 
for me. I don't know how you feel about it. It turns out to be a sea-dwelling organism, but something they haven't seen before reacts to water when water spilled on it. So they toss it to an aquarium. Just an empty aquarium. Well, not empty. It's just full of water. There's nothing else in it. I don't know why it would be that way. What do you think about the creature design? Like the parasite design? I'm not a fan. Really? I'm not a fan. Not a fan of the shoddy CGI, but I kind of like the creature design. What, what about it is a, a no-go for you? It just looks kind of dumb to me. It does, yeah. My deep breath there was in response to the shoddy CGI because... It's bad. Oh boy, is it bad in this movie. It's very bad. Why Furlong decides to touch the thing is beyond me. I was just waiting to make a comment about the stupidity of these smart people. Yeah. Like, don't do that. It self-reproduces, and one of them just bites him. Now, Casey asks, it has teeth. Where did it get teeth? Probably not the first question I would ask. I'd <laughs> be like, why is it aggressive? What the fuck is it? Why are we standing around here? Let's call somebody. It duplicated. It, it resurrected when it got contact with water. Stop being dumb. Don't touch it. Whatever you do, don't fucking touch it. No, absolutely would not be something I would want to do. No. The only part of this scene that I did like, I just thought it was kind of cool, is when Stokely kind of holds her hand up to the tank. Yeah. And, like, the little red tentacles of the creature almost make, like, the shape of the hand. Because it's like, oh, it's mimicking. Right? Yeah. But that's about it. That did look really good. Stan confronts Coach Willis about quitting the team. I love Robert Patrick in this scene. Because Willis has definitely, to me, an unexpected reaction. It's totally understanding, but still a fuck you response at the same time do you remember this at all oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> he says it's fine then casually says my star quarterback wants to quit before the game against the one team that can kick our asses and then you know who would i be to hold hold back your desires to expand that wouldn't be very humanly of me or whatever he says <laughs> or what kind of a human would i be if i did that and it's like hey. <laughs> it's, i thought it was really funny He's just standing there next to the pool, feet at shoulder width apart and his arms crossed. <laughs> Keep in mind, he's the football coach. I wouldn't walk up to that guy to talk to him if that's what he was doing. <laughs> just looking out at the pool, everybody in the pool. Disturbing encounter in the shower, by the way. The melting Mrs. Brummel. Yeah, and this doesn't come up again. Because I guess after this, they don't try to infect any old people? I think they still try to infect everyone. It's just she was the oldest and it didn't take. But when she says, you don't know what's happening, they want everyone. I'm pretty sure anybody watching the movie goes, oh, I do know what's happening. Moving on. <laughs> like the mystery here is gone. He's very quickly okay with this situation 
Stan? Oh, yeah. Like, at first, he's like, what are, what are you doing? This is a guy's shower. And then he just goes to console her. He's just standing there naked. Part of her head came off. <laughs> yeah. No, he's fine. He's a very level-headed guy. I think Stan might have had a weird upbringing. Uh, Casey noticing Coach Willis standing on the field in the middle of the sprinklers. Stealthy. Absolutely stealthy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a cool visual. I don't think Casey needs to duck below the window. But, I don't know, it, it was fine. Zeke selling fake bootleg VHS of naked Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Kevin Williamson, man. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, I'm assuming a lighthearted ribbing or something went wrong and he was just taking digs at the two biggest stars of his two biggest movies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I mean, they know. Were, they were in Party of Five together, right? And he makes the reference like Party yeah. of Prettiness or something like that? Yeah. I guess there was a reason this happened. It has to be lighthearted. I don't think I don't think Kevin Williamson's a, that much of a an asshole. I'm sure he's. I hope he's a very sweet man. Oh man, misled a whole bunch of very thirsty young men when they saw that movie. <laughs> Where can I find this full frontal? Zeke, dude, this guy like they're they're trying to make this guy seem like the coolest bad boy character, but they give us a few things. To make us believe that. Very intelligent. Like Then there's like selling the fake IDs, drugs, fake bootleg porn. But they do something here with him. I don't know if you noticed it. It made me actually really like him. What's that? As the two teens run off with their VHS, he's just watching them go. And he slightly shakes his head as if to say, you fucking idiots. <laughs> like that... That shows it for me. It shows that he knows what he's doing is completely ridiculous. He's doing it to get by. He doesn't believe himself to be the character that he puts out there. He knows who he is. He knows what he's doing. He knows he's taking advantage of people. And he can't believe that people are letting him do it. Like This is showing that he is actually above everybody else around him. It really does build that belief that this is a, a man who should have graduated the previous year, if not skipped a grade, because he is very much self-aware and aware of his surroundings. I'd like to think that he's so smart that he could get into college, but he has no money, so he stayed back in high school to keep making money with his wheeling and dealing off these idiots. Exactly. You'll never get a story as to no. why this is happening, but exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm coming up with my own right now. And they just drop it from there. You're like, holy shit, this guy actually has actually has depth. Now let's forget about this and move on to something else. Never talk about it again. No. And well, they, they contradict it too, because Mrs. Burke shows up here, confronts Zeke about selling drugs and how people like students have come to her, concerned students have come to her, and he acts like a complete asshole, offering her laxatives and condoms, making her feel so uncomfortable. You feel bad for her here, and it makes you dislike this guy that they just tried to make you like. So what are we doing here? You'll never find out. Maybe this movie is the greatest mystery of all time. <laughs>
Casey and Delilah investigate the faculty lounge. I don't like these two together in any scene ever. I really don't. I don't really like her in this movie at all. No, me neither. And I think that's just Jordana Brewster playing the character very well. But the yeah. character of Delilah Prophet sucks. I don't think Jordana Brewster does a bad job at all. I just don't think they even know what they want to do with this character. Because they, they have her come off as this bitchy cheerleader who also runs the newspaper, because that's a common trope, even though we're using all of them in this movie. Oh, yeah. And she could, she could be the one that has the character arc where she is the main character who later realizes that she's been a bitch to people and is nice and takes a chance on the nerdy guy. But why does any of this happen? I don't know, man. It... <laughs> Nobody cares about Delilah, I don't think. Anybody watching the movie, no one cares about this character. So when we do get the reveal later that she is infected, I'm like, fucking sweet, let's kill her now. Let's get her out of the movie. Yeah, the only part of Delilah that I even remotely enjoyed was when did she get infected? Because that's maybe the most curious one. Yeah, uh, there, there is actually a bit of a shift in her character in this scene, though, where Casey is kind of flirting with her, but not really, and she notices it. But it's, it's not playing into the idea of the personalities changing, because he even says, you can be a bitch sometimes, implying that she's not all the time. So it's not like it's a change to her personality. Well, it doesn't matter, because we drop it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the the two kids that grew up side by like as next door neighbors, and she's nice to them when they're not at school. But then when she's at school, she's the popular one. It's like you're doing all the tropes, all of them, and then a bunch of them you're doing wrong. Well, not only doing wrong, the ones that they're actually starting to get right, they abandon halfway through. It's a mess. It's a fucking mess. But Casey and Delilah duck into a closet when Coach Willis and Mrs. Olsen walk in, where we get the discussion of uh, Mrs. Bremel not making it, like you had said before, it didn't take. Coach Willis asks, has the entire faculty been commuted? Isn't this a hive mind? Is it? It seems like they all know what's going on. I feel like only the Queen is connected to everyone. Oh, okay. Anyway, infecting Nurse Harper. Why? Because they gotta get the whole faculty. And, uh, well, Selma Hayek hasn't had enough screen time yet. The only thing I can say is that they conduct that ear inspection thing they do at one point, and obviously, yeah, okay, have a nurse there. But they've been doing really well at infecting everybody else without that. So, again, you're right. It's probably just give her more screen time. Casey and Delilah find Brummel's corpse in the closet, flee and try to get help. But, of course, all of the faculties infected. <laughs> Love when they uh, skipping ahead past when they run into the the principal because it really doesn't matter. No, when they're trying to run out of the building and Casey just wipes <laughs> out, but like sliding across the floor, ridiculous wipeout. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's good. It looks really good too. It actually, looks kind of painful. What what do they do when the teachers are infected? You call the police, and we get Christopher McDonald as Casey's father. 
I love Christopher, Christopher McDonald, but why have him in such a short scene? How much of this budget went to casting? <laughs> it's so stacked. I mean, he's good. He's on, he does get a bit of screen time. Like I said, we do go on that little bit of a run where Casey is what I thought was being presented as finally a, a main character or a lead. Well, this which, is when that run happens, right? Yeah, because Principal Drake infects the police. And honestly, to me, it seems like they could now really easily start taking over the town. I don't know why they keep it really localized to the high school. Well, yeah, because you imagine that now there's a police officer. It's got to be a factor. Yeah. Although I do want to point out one additional, like, oh, Robert Patrick is the creepiest character ever part. When Christopher McDonald says, good luck at the game tomorrow, coach. And he gives him that wink in the gun. And I'm just like, oh, man, he's so good. <laughs> he's great. I do have to mention that one of the cops, though, um, played by Dwayne Martin. Uh, Dwayne Martin played the cameraman Joel in Scream 2, which is another one I'm sure we'll get to. And I recognize him immediately. I find that he is very, very good at minimal, like doing minimal amounts of expression and getting incredible emotion through. Oh, that sly smile that he gives Casey after being infected when he's leaving the office. Yeah. Almost to tell him like, you know, fucked. <laughs> yeah, was fantastic. And all it was was just like a sideways glance and smirk. And it was brilliant. Yeah, it was great. He is a very talented actor. Uh, so yeah, that night, Casey's house. Parents are tearing apart his room looking for drugs. We've covered it, but I do have, I have my question and note saying, is Casey the main character now? Do you think this movie needs a main character? I feel like if it had a firm set main character, you would have the added benefit of being able to go a lot more baseline and subtle with the other characters and then not have this jumbled mess of who the main character is. So I think it would actually really, really benefit the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that we have such a diverse cast of characters here. I love that we're getting the tropes, even though that they're, they're not really done well at all. But we need that anchor character for everyone else to satellite around. Because every time they start focusing on one or a, a duo, I'm like, okay, are, why are we here? Is, are, are these the important ones now? No, 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 no. Nobody here is more important than anyone else, it seems. And it's frustrating because you're not given that. You're being misled the entire time that you should be focusing heavily on somebody only for them to drop that character for a while and focus on something completely different. It's very frustrating. I feel like the only one of the ensemble cast or whatever you want to call it that doesn't feel like a main character at any point to me is Delilah. Yeah, um, Delilah for sure. I think Stokely could have used a bit more screen time. She could have, but there is the part at the beginning when she's the first one to meet Mary Beth and they're going into her kind of outsider personality and whatever yeah. that they are going to set her up as this reluctant hero in the movie. And yeah. then it just drops. Same with Gabe with Usher's character. 
he kind of pops up as an antagonist who doesn't really antagonize. Like, I could use a bit more of a bully character. Really. I don't think we needed a bully character. We didn't you need have half of these characters. The antagonists are firmly placed on the faculty. It's the name of the movie. You don't need to have a student antagonist. I know you don't need to. Like I said, you don't need half of the characters that we have in this movie. I'm saying personally, I think it would be interesting to have an antagonist who is just a student. Like he does kind of get in Casey's face from time to time, but have that like lower level villain, almost like the henchman character, because we don't get that. We don't get that. It's all of the faculty are equally terrifying. Yeah. It really feels like a scenario where less would be more. Yeah. Or, or instead of throwing everybody at the same power level at us, Give us a weird tiered villain system. I'm okay with that, too. We already have so many fucking people in this movie that aren't, aren't even necessary to the plot. Make it even on both sides. I don't. It's just a problem I've had with this since uh, the first viewing. But anyway, Casey sneaks out of his room, falls off the roof, and hallucinates that some of the teachers are outside trying to get him? Did he hallucinate? What is this scene? I don't know, because he sees them outside, standing on the sidewalk, watching him. It looks like it's Mr. Tate, uh, Coach Willis, and I couldn't really make out the other person. Uh, maybe Mrs. Olsen. And then when he hits the ground, they're right there reaching out for him. But his father opens the door, and everyone's gone. So, what are we doing? And then as he's closing the door, the father's looking around like, like he saw somebody run away or something, but... What it? I don't know. The next day at school, we get one of the most horrifying scenes, and that's because Creed's cover of M18 is playing. I love how in the background of scenes, we just see larger and larger water deliveries being made, but never acknowledged. <laughs> you also notice that, like, teachers, uh, I forget the name, but the, the, the teacher that asks for the living family tree. Uh, Mr. Tate. Mr. Tate, you, you see them that they like slowly shift from like, you know, he has his coffee to just a water bottle. Yeah. There's a, well, there's a lot of subtle just switch to it until it's just overtly shown. But, you know, you well, see he, him walking in the hall in one scene and he's just carrying a water bottle instead of his mug, right? And the, well, the thing is, he was an alcoholic too, right? Yep. And alcohol will definitely dry you out. And yeah, he just changes from booze to water. It's it's very good. Some of the subtle things in this movie are good. Mm -hmm. It's just the things that should be subtle are so heavy-handed, like the fucking stolen plots, that it, I don't know, it's just frustrating. Did you notice the students constantly being called to the office over the speakers, over the yeah. PA? Yeah, I like that. Stan and Stokely have a nice moment, too, which... I thought was interesting to try and set up the, the football star with the Oakcast. But then we see that happen with every other character in this movie, because nothing's unique, nothing's original, everything's overdone and way too heavy-handed. But you brought up the living family tree thing that Mr. Tate's history assignment. Nobody finds this weird. What's the point? Exactly. If you're going to infect everyone anyway, why do you need to research what their family is? You're... Are you going to then tell the one, don't go home to that family? Well, it's just weird to write down the names of the immediate family you live with, then the nearest living family members to them, 
and so on and so forth. Just do your thing. Again, there's no purpose to this. No. Zeke explains his drugs to Mary Beth, and she drops that she's allergic to aspirin. Is that a thing? Probably. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. Never heard of this. It, honestly, it doesn't even really matter with this movie. It's time to full-on infect the student body. You know what else bothers me about this movie? A lot? Yeah, but like, one of the bigger ones? What's that? There's so many scenarios where people could have been infected and they just aren't. Yeah. There's no reason in the world to believe that Mary Beth couldn't have just infected Zeke right there in the supply closet where they were completely hidden from everyone else. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to think that. Yeah. I got nothing for you here, man. This movie is flawed. Even later in the movie, when Stokely gets punched out by Mary Beth, she's not infected yet at that point, but it's like, you're sitting behind her on the bleachers, quietly, having this weird conversation. You could easily just reach forward and put one of those things in her ear while she's not paying attention. Yep. But that's the filmmaker's attempt to make us not believe that Mary Beth is part of this. Again, it doesn't have to be Mary Beth, but I just mean... It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, stop putting them in all of these situations where if you're an organism trying to spread like that, you'd be spreading right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's the director's intentional manipulation of the viewer. Um, and it happens all the time, and I, I hate it. I really, really do, because a lot of the time it's done so cheaply. It's not done through story. It's not done through fun camera work or music. It's done through misdirection that just honestly does not make sense to the plot. <laughs> Danny Masterson and Wiley Wiggins trying to buy all of Zeke's drugs. I kind of like this scene. Okay, but why? It's just, I found it really creepy. Yeah, but why do they want all the drugs? Because I think they know that they need to get those drugs off of him. How do they know? I don't know. Maybe because they've done them and that they're infected now and they know what the drugs do. Did, did we just skip over the entire John Stewart fight? Because that, has, that hasn't happened yet. Oh, we, we haven't hit the supply closet. I was just talking about the supply closet. Okay. Yeah. Got myself a little mixed up. Sorry. Yeah. Because these are the only two guys who we've seen do the drugs or know that they like the drugs. So it makes sense for them to try and go up to Zeke and get all the drugs off of him. So they do they know that it would have that impact on them? Well, they have all the memories, so probably, yeah. They know, oh, these drugs, beyond just getting us high, will dry us out? Yeah. I'm not fine. You don't have to, because none of the movie makes sense. Okay, I'm just saying. But it, to me, it makes sense because these two guys have done the drugs. When they're infected, they have all of those, those person's memories. So they, they know what happens. So it's like, let's just make sure that we get all of this dangerous shit away from this guy who's giving it to students. Because if they're dried out, we can't do anything with them. Yeah, I still believe that the only memory they would have of it is that it gets you high and not that it dries you out because that wouldn't have any impact on you as a normal human being. 
I don't know. I don't know. Like it does. There's so many things to question because when we get to the John Stewart scene, the fingers are cut off and they become their own sentient little things. So what does that happen? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's not hard to make this assumption to be the case. Then, if the entire like, if the parasite is fully aware of every part of the body, it would know everything that's happened to the body. But just like Wiley Wiggins, at, or go, them going up and asking to buy some scat, and Zeke selling it to them, and Masterson being like, "Do you have any more?" and pays him more money, and Wiley Wiggins just going, "Do you have more?" Is there more in your car? Can you go to your car and get it? Like, this is a really creepy scene. And it happens in daylight, and it was really uncomfortable. I thought See, it was I very I didn't well take done. it as that they were trying to get the drugs off the street. I thought they were trying to get a situation to isolate Zeke. Oh, if we have to go get more from your car, then you'll be alone and vulnerable. Well, again, that doesn't make sense. Because Mary Beth could have done that already. I thought we hadn't hit that scene yet. They've already spent time together, just not in that scene. Okay, all right. Well, because, yeah, they might have spent time together in the outdoors when they're in the supply closet, absolutely, but... Yeah. Uh, then here, yeah, we get Mrs. Burke with her fiery attitude, which we've covered. Um, Casey, Stokely, and Delilah in the library. And this is where they actually give us a direct reference to Invasion of the Body Snatchers and pod people. Why is Casey the one that makes the jump to this whole thing being aliens? You'd think Stokely would do that. She'd be the one to put the pieces together because she's the science fiction fan. <sighs> okay, so I'm not in the wrong to be confused by this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then, and then they try to convince Stan, and I'm pretty sure the only reason this scene exists is because we need that regular Joe needs to be convinced that everything isn't as it seems moment to solidify the plot. And here Zeke and Mary Beth are in the uh, supply closet and overhear the conversation and join the group, but are interrupted by Furlong. And this is where we see all that crazy shit go down. Anything in this scene stick out to you at all? Anything memorable? Do you, did you find it was effective or just shit? Didn't make sense. Not that that's an overly large surprise, but it feels like they try to isolate people to infect them. It doesn't make sense for Furlong to be like, it, like you'd think he would just deny it, but instead he thinks, I'm going to take on six of them at once? Yeah. It does have one of the most memorable scenes for me, though, and that's Zeke ripping off the arm of the paper cutter. Oh, man, when he just puts his foot on the table and pulls it out, it's, it's such a smooth motion. Yeah. It good, good, great. good action cinematography there. And cuts off Furlong's fingers. Stabs him in the eye with one of his drug pens. We talked about the fingers scurrying along the floor. They look terrible. And Furlong eventually dies from the drugs. I mean, Zeke gets thrown through that aquarium, too. That's a pretty good action spot. Zeke gets thrown through a few things. He gets thrown everywhere in this movie. Yeah. Good on him. You know, so, somebody's got to do the legwork. I have to say, the amount of abuse he takes in this movie, there is no way at the end he would be on the football team. <laughs> Why is he even <laughs> on the football team? I don't know. There's no he's... part of the movie that makes me think this guy would want to be on the football team. No, not at all. 
but he's the cool outcast character who's now one of the star cool characters. Who's sleeping with Miss Burke. Yeah, that's... It might not end well for Zeke, is all I'm saying. But she's sitting in the bleachers at the end, watching him at practice and waving at him. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you are going to prison. <laughs> so... It's so blatant. Yeah, I don't know with this movie. And that's even the scene coming up here, too, because it's it's the, the shot of the group trying to exit campus, trying to leave the school. Everyone around them is acting strange, staring at them. Even the arguing couple are getting along now, which I actually kind of enjoyed. That was pretty funny. But they all pile into Zeke's car and speed off. It feels like the entire school is already infected at this point. Yeah. At, at, you know, if the entire student body now surrounded these, whatever, six people, I'd be okay with it. You know, at this point, they could just kill them. Just kill these students. They don't, don't need to take them over. But there's so many of them, you could easily just have the entire student body hold them down. It, it yep. would not be difficult at this point. No, it would be quite fast and efficient. The police roadblocks confuse me. Because they're only blocking certain roads in the intersection. And as such, Zeke just turns right and drives off. And the plan's ruined. This would only make sense if they were on, like, an island. Yeah. You know, like an island town, and the police were blocking, like, the one bridge out of town. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, we're infected, but we don't want anybody leaving until we've gotten everybody. Nope. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so they hide in Zeke's garage, which is also a laboratory. And probably the worst fucking spot you would be hiding from people who are out looking for you in particular. Don't go home. Or if you go home, get what you need and leave. If, if it's a pseudo-hive mind where people know what the queen knows, she's sitting with them. Yeah. Yeah. Learning the secret ingredient of Zeke's drugs. Caffeine. I mean, caffeine pills will mess you up, dude. Uh, I don't know. They didn't mess me up. Jesse Spano showed me that that will get me kicked off of my all-girl singing group. Like, you do not mess with those. I mean, it does allow you to drive from Halifax to Middleton, Connecticut without stopping for anything other than gas. So, it works. The experiment with one of the parasites, one of the aliens, and a rat. Immediately kill the rat and dissect it. Somehow this allows Zeke to know everything about these things. Well, he's the smart one, you see. <sighs> I found this so problematic. The, all it, you needed to know is that you used the drug on Furlong and it worked. That's all yeah. you, you don't need to do more research. Yeah, I mean, this is where we find out that they aren't complete. I mean, it doesn't explain why he knows that. Uh, but they're part of something larger. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on Zeke's drugs being diuretic, thus killing an organism that needs moisture to survive? Is that good writing? I think it's good enough that people won't question it. I like it because it's good enough to give them a weapon, which they haven't really had up until this point. Just things that would slow down the aliens. 
nothing that would actually kill them. So I, I think that's actually a pretty good little story element. I don't know how Stokely somehow pieces together the Parasite's plans, though, and theorize that if they kill the queen, then all of the infected would become human again. How? How does that, how does that work? That's like the most just because moment in this movie. But you look at the rat that was just dissected, and their bodies would have been destroyed on the inside. There is no, nobody is surviving this. No, they all are, dude. Once you're infected, you're, you're done. You can just I think you're dead. asking too many questions, which was not the intention of the filmmakers here. Well, they're presenting us with two different sets of facts, telling us to believe both of them when they're contradictory. Yeah, just... I'm not looking into things too much. They're giving me this. They yeah. are providing this. Just take it. Stop asking questions. Okay. <laughs> Finally, Stan brings up the point that they have no idea who the leader is, nor do they know if any everybody in the room is actually human. I love how they're just like, it must be the principal. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It makes sense. They're in charge. Yeah, even though... The audience knows this not to be true, so we know this plan's going to fail. Yeah, but that's it. That's all you get is uh, we're just going on guesses. I do like how they're finally starting to try and build paranoia, but I also have zero faith that any of these characters would actually be able to stop anything on this level. So, of course, they start calling each other out. Did you have a theory at this point? Yeah, it was Mary Beth. You knew her? I mean, I didn't know, but nothing in the movie led me to not believe it was her. Yeah. Uh, they agree to take a hit of Zeke's drugs because they know that kills the aliens. Does this scene remind you of anything? Come on, it's the thing. Yeah. It's the blood test. Yes. They rip this off completely. Sandro, I believe that Elijah Wood is a great actor. He was not doing his best in this scene. It's like Elijah Wood, the fantastic actor, has never seen what someone on drugs is like. Or he was actually on drugs. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he it's lost bad. his ability to act. <laughs> it is so, so bad. And yeah, much like in the thing, one of them is infected. It's Delilah. And my first note after that is exactly what you said earlier. When? When did that happen? <laughs> it doesn't matter because we're never going to find out. I assume it's at least after they leave the teacher's lounge. Because if she was alone in the closet with Casey and was already infected, then I can't no. imagine she would pass that up. Yeah. So she destroys the lab and flees into Mr. Tate's car waiting outside. So the remaining five rally together to find the queen. And it's Friday night, so that means everyone will be at the football game. I've never seen a high school football game with this many fireworks. The pyro is happening constantly. Again, though, Robert Patrick, man, is just, he steals a lot of this movie. He's the most animated I've ever seen him in anything so far. I think it's safe to say he's probably going to be one of our, our, our favorite characters. So they regroup in the gym, where they're confronted by Principal Drake, who they think is the queen, as we've already said. There's no reason for them to believe this. And holy shit, Stan tackles the fuck out of her with a net. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And I'm not lying. She went down so hard. I spit coffee everywhere. (laughs) It's seldom that you get a literal spit take, especially on just a tackle. It just comes out of nowhere. Like, she eats shit so hard. But Casey second guesses himself on forcing her to do drugs. Which I get. It makes sense in this movie, especially for Casey. But Zeke just shoots her in the head. Got no time for this, man. I know. I know. I, they introduced the gun earlier in the movie, which I thought was kind of weird. But again, yeah, here it does pay off. Only she doesn't stay dead. Jumping up with multiple parasites rushing out of the bullet hole. So my question for you, Sandro, is if Principal Drake can take a bullet to the head and keep coming back, how did breaking the rat's neck keep it dead? Didn't I just finish telling you you're asking too many questions? (laughs) Fine. Mary Beth throws more drugs in Drake's face, wasting the rest of their, like, massive, like, bulk supply they had. Well, it wasn't even massive. Obviously her plan. Yeah. I didn't catch that the first time I watched the movie. Um, I think good writing. I think Williamson did good here. Like, because we saw her take a hit earlier, so her ditching the rest shouldn't be something of notice. I mean, there obviously there are so many hints that it's Mary Beth, but it's a good, a legit good misdirect. I don't think this was a cheap one whatsoever. Everybody gets one. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Fucking right. So a thunderstorm's rolled in, and the crowds are gone, the game's over. Stan runs out to see if their plan worked and if all of the infected are back to normal. Uh, no. No, they aren't. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the shot of the football team standing in the rain? It's fine. Did Stan need to get that close before he realized that it didn't work? No. No. Hey, look, the entire team is ominously standing in the rain in the middle of the field. I think this shit didn't go down. We don't need the shot, though. We don't. Because having Stan return without seeing that adds that much more mystery and tension to is he infected, is he not? But yeah, no, he's just straight up infected. Tries to get Stokely to let him in. Super cliched at this point. But I had to take a step back and think about that for a second. This is not, or probably not, a cliche to the target audience when the movie came out. Because I'm thinking a lot of the people that would have watched this in 1998 are teenagers. Probably don't know the thing. Probably don't know Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So to them, this is probably something new and fresh. Um... This movie is not the least bit original. But if your audience hasn't been exposed to everything this movie's paying homage to or ripping off, however you want to approach it, this movie probably blew a fair amount of people away. That's the thing. Like, you can do an unoriginal movie. Just do it well. Yeah. And uh, at times, that is this movie for the majority of it. uh, A majority of it, sorry. I don't think that's the case. Uh, Zeke and Casey make a break for Zeke's car. Casey's a decoy. Thought that was a pretty funny reveal. The Casey-Delilah showdown in the school bus. Why? How did she know he was going to go in the school bus? Why is she just there? I don't know. It's 
convenient. A lot of this movie is convenient. Uh, great visuals of the football team trying to break into the school bus. It was very much Dawn of the Dead for me. Um, Why not throw in a few more references? Exactly. Just the hands on the windows, like slapping the glass and sliding down, looked really good. My next note says, Casey actually does run very well when he's chased. Throwback. Throwback. <laughs> do you remember that line? Yeah, I do. But it comes up twice in the movie for no reason. No. I, well, for this reason. This is the payoff. Yeah. So that we believe that he actually could outrun them. What do you think about the confrontation between Zeke and Mrs. Burke? I think it's dumb. I think they have good chemistry. Sure. Yeah, the actors are fine. But the scene is dumb. Yeah. His attempt at killing her? That car has no airbags. That one seatbelt is not going to do much to save you, even though it does. But when he drives that car into the school bus, and the school bus explodes? That makes no sense. Oh, I saw that, and I'm like, there's Ben's favorite moment right there. Yeah. And the, the obvious mannequin that goes flying through the windshield? I'm laughing at this point until the next shot where I am just pissed. And that is the head crawling away. Might as well have been in the kitchen in the Arctic. Yep. It's blatantly the thing yet again and done worse. <laughs> the thing was how much of an older movie and its effects were so much better than this. Yeah, the thing came out in 1982. Yeah. So, 17 years. Or no, 16 years. <sighs> Mary Beth and Stokely discuss the Queen. At, at what point did you actually figure it out? Uh, at this point, like, I've long suspected Mary Beth. So it wasn't like I figured it out. It was more like, okay, you affirmed it for me. Yeah. Casey returns to the gym. We get Mary Beth's reveal. You thought the creature design of the little parasites were bad. Oh my god. First of all, like I said, there's no reason for her to just punch Stokely. But no. I guess it's to have this amazing tentacle arm CGI. Oh, it's, it's so awful. Bad. It's so bad. Um, the pool scene, equally bad. The locker room scene, terrible. But Zeke arrives. Stokely and Mary Beth try to convince him that the other one is the queen. And he just says, answer me something, Mary Beth. Why are you naked? I'm like, that's pretty good. The problem, are... here, the problem here is what I think you're about to say. And mm -hmm. that is, why are they taking the time to try and confuse him when they could just attack him? Because they're both. At this point, they're both. <sighs> yep. <laughs> They're both infected. There is no reason to string this along any longer. Uh, we get the reveal of how Mary Beth managed to take the drugs in the garage, which is one of this. the most fucking terrible parts of this movie. Because if you go back and watch it, that is not at all what happened on screen. Nope. It's very cheap. But yeah, Stokely is also infected. And this leaves Zeke and Casey. After seeing the CG in this movie, I'm glad they at least tried to use shadows as much as they did in the finale. Because the shadows, it looks okay. It's passable. What are your thoughts on how they kill the alien? Or how Casey kills the alien? Yeah, because <laughs> Zeke just gets 
goes off camera again after making uh, Casey take the drugs, and then just goes flying across the screen again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's what Zeke does. <laughs> like, <laughs> he got Zeke? thrown like across the entire locker room. Zeke sells <laughs> drugs and gets beat to shit. That's what he does. In his, his body should be broken from that. Yeah, but then Casey manages to win by trapping the creature in the closing bleachers. Retractable bleachers, they don't look strong enough to hold this giant fucking alien. No! And he stabs it in the face with three pens. Although this does lead to an absolutely horrifying shot for me, and that's all the parasites being shot out of the alien's mouth into Casey's face. That made me a little queasy. Yeah, and they're just trying to bore in there while the thing is dying. Oh my god, it's so gross. That, I think that was very well done. But yeah, man, the, with the queen dead, the infected are cured. Yeah. Yeah, there was, no, there was no lasting impact on their bodies. I hate it. I hate it so much. And then we get the fucking one month later card. So we already said Zeke's on the football team? Why? How? What For what purpose? And he is obviously sleeping with Mrs. Burke. Maybe? I think so. It's implied. No one else seems to notice. Stokely's ditched her goth look and is now with Stan. I mean, we saw that coming, but why? How? And Casey's the hero? And is with Delilah? Because now she's not mean? She wasn't great beforehand. What is happening? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> None of it. None of it makes sense. I used to think this movie was great in 1998. Dude, <laughs> times have changed. <laughs> but let's get into money. All right. Look at the cast. Yes, the special effects were pretty shoddy. The CG anyway. It was 1998. We have to cut some slack there. Practical effects. Pretty fucking good. What do you think this movie cost to make? I feel like the cast must have been the majority of the budget, because I'm, I'm not buying that the effects, practical or CGI, were, were top-notch um, by any means. And I'm going to go $37 million. 15 Okay. Yeah, you know what? I definitely went too high on it. 15 still doesn't seem like enough for everybody in this movie. Uh, the gross. What do you think it made? 40? 63.2. Okay. I think, like, the cast and the time that it came out and things like that would, uh, would be enough to bring in some money. No. They thought this was going to be massive, and it wasn't. I mean, 63 on a budget of 15 is still pretty good. Just yeah. not as massive as they would have wanted. Well, uh, exactly. They were hoping to bring in Scream money, right? Yeah, that's a ticket. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, rating on the IMDb? I'm feeling like a 5.2. 6 6. Okay. You're closer with the uh, Rotten Tomatoes, though. Positive reviews on the, from the critics 47. 55. Okay. And the audience? What this can't be good. Um, 38. 57. Yeah, that's the highest one? Oh, no, no, IMDb was, but... Yeah. 
It's I mean, at least it's pretty consistent for all of them. Yeah, it's the movie has become a cult classic. So keep in mind, we're getting the reviews now of people that are watching it and they're finding it like cheesy, fun. No, they weren't holding it to the same uh, critical level as they would other movies at the time. But uh, I'm curious about your awards. And I know we don't have zero, so it's just going to be you and me for this listener pick. All right, so who did you have for your least favorite character? Ooh, I, we're going to differ on this one. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I picked Casey. Okay. Elijah Wood. I just found his character incredibly annoying. Um, it, he made random leaps in judgment that don't make sense, that just worked for the plot. Um, he does a character flip out of nowhere. Uh, he has no spine whatsoever, yet is, I guess, the hero of the film. We're forced to spend time with him, and the entire time, like, at Casey's house, um, I'm just sitting thinking, like, what's Zeke up to? Like, what's Mary Beth doing? What's Stan saying right now? I, I didn't care. I just didn't care about Casey at all. I felt bad for him at the beginning when he got the shit kicked out of him, and after you see Zeke sell uh the those two guys uh, ids and give them drugs and he's just cowering in the bathroom stall like trying to stop his nose from bleeding i got that character i wanted that character to last through the movie and that's not what we got so it was a really good high for the character to be introduced on and then it just deteriorated throughout the rest of the film what about you uh, i went with laura harris as mary beth oh wow even, even before the reveal I could not stand this, like, bright-eyed, country bumpkin, new girl-at-school persona they were trying to give her. So freaking enthusiastic and interested in everybody's personalities. And I get that they're trying to play up that when you, you know, in retrospect, it was the queen learning about, well, humanity in general. Yeah. But it was just so obnoxious to watch on camera. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. I never would have guessed that one. I loved her in this movie. Actually, I like her in everything. I'm biased. Uh, even like when you first see her and she's like telling anybody that'll listen her full name and where she's from and the girls out front who don't really care to give her directions. She's just like complimenting them. It's like, you're coming off as such an annoying tryhard. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Even if she wasn't the queen, I would have been like, I, I can't stand this character. You liked her more than Stokely? Or disliked her more than Stokely? Yeah. For a lot of the characters, because it's not like I'm saying that I loved every other character. For a lot more of them, I was just a little more lukewarm on them. Okay. I thought you would have disliked Delilah a lot more. But the thing is, I feel like I was supposed to dislike Delilah. So yeah. in that case, I'm a little bit more forgiving for it because it's like, yeah, I'm supposed to hate her. Fair enough. Yeah. What about your favorite character? I I went with Josh Hartnett as Zeke. And primarily it's because I'm looking at the character and I'm like, he's the character that I would most want to watch another movie that just tells me about his character. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. And anything else about him, or you just you found that they presented what could be a very interesting character and just didn't delve deep enough into it? Well, that's just it. I mean, he was this hidden, intelligent hero that really was very capable 
And I'm just like, why is he still there? Why is he a, like presented as a slacker? I mean, you've made such an interesting character. You've just literally done nothing with him. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's weird. I agree with what you're saying about Zeke Tyler. I think he is an incredibly interesting character. The most interesting in the movie. I have to go with Coach Willis, though. It's a, it's a very good choice, though. Yeah. Robert Patrick killed every scene he was in. He nailed it. He was so good all of the time. And while I say I always really enjoy Robert Patrick, I don't always think he's the best part of every movie. Uh, he just adds a lot to them. In here, like, I'll be thinking about Zeke. I'm like, oh, I'm very curious. Like, what, what would Zeke do here? What would Zeke do? Hey, it's Coach Willis. <laughs> and I forget, I forget about Zeke altogether because I want to know what Robert Patrick's going to do. So I think that's why I picked him. But if it wasn't Coach Willis, I think I might have actually gone for Mrs. Burke, Famke Jansen. And that's mainly because of her back and forth with Josh Hartnett's Zeke character. Yeah, but I feel like it's not enough camera time, essentially. Exactly. There is a lot to it, and she definitely gets points for being able to play two very drastically different personalities, because more so than anybody else that gets infected, she's the one that plays a different character the most. Yeah, she's the only person that shuts Zeke down to the point where he, he really can't even say anything. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool character. I wish we got to see more of her. Uh, you? But I already said it was oh, Zeke, that's right. so... Sorry, I meant you for a memorable line. Uh, so you actually already said it, and it was it was in very large part the delivery as well, but also the scenario that didn't set off more red flags at the moment for him. But mm -hmm. when Zeke is like, answer me something, Mary Beth, why are you naked? <laughs> it's like, that is a great question. <laughs> no, it was it was very good. Very, very good. Probably the best line of the movie, but I had to go with something different. Okay. And it's in the locker room early on in the film. It's between Casey and Stan. And it's right after Casey's getting picked on by uh, Usher, by Gabe, and the, uh, the mascot. And Stan shows up and he's like, hey! Like, telling him to stop. And they're like, oh, he's just greeting us. And they go over and like, you know, high five or whatever talk about like the game tomorrow night and they walk off stan just looks at casey and is walking by and casey of all people says it must really blow being you obviously like a dig being like it must suck to be the popular guy and stan just looks at him as he's walking by and goes you have no idea and like that is such a deep dive into stan's character in four words Stan's probably the second character I'd want to know most about. This guy yeah. who, like, when he has his little speech about how they gave him a good mark, even though he didn't deserve it because he played well, and he wanted that D that he got on the, the I don't know if it was a paper or a test. Yeah. But like, yeah, here's another character that could have such a rich backstory, but no, that's no, fine. Yeah, no, we don't need that. We have the thing to retell. Yeah. Um, and so for most memorable scene or moment, mm -hmm. and it's not because it's good, but it was the shit CGI reveal for Mary Beth, and then her, like, 
deep blue uh, sea jumping out of the pool at Stokely. It's just, it's such a level of bad that I don't think I'll be able to forget it. It's it. It's it's quite terrible. <laughs> it's, it's very bad. Yeah. You. Uh, the the thing ripoff scene, the drugs in the garage. I really enjoyed that because as bad as it is, it is probably an introduction to a lot of teenagers at that time for the amazing scene from the thing. It's not done nearly as well, but it gets the same point across. And I think that scenario is wonderful. I love everything about it. See, and I'm, I think that's why I couldn't pick it. Because I'm just like, years later, I'm going to remember the scene in the thing and forget that this one even existed. Yeah, and it's entirely possible, but that is the one scene I do really remember from this movie from 1998 is snorting ballpoint pens filled with drugs in a garage to prove that you are not an alien. So I think that alone solidifies itself for me as a memorable scene. It is done poorly, yeah, but this is the teenage the thing. Like that is one of my favorite scenes from the thing. It just makes sense that I'd pick it from this too. Fair enough. Yeah. <sighs> Closing thoughts on the faculty, dude. I loved this movie as a teenager in '98. I loved it. Okay. I thought it was great. I love Robert Rodriguez's movies. Uh, this one seems like a weird one for him. I love Williamson's writing. We've been over that numerous times. It's just the movie is so unoriginal in its plot. The dialogue, fine. So unoriginal in its plot that being the age I am now, I've seen everything in this movie done better before this movie even came out. So it's hard to say the movie is good. Is it entertaining? Yeah, I think so. It doesn't mean I would recommend it, though, because like I said, we've seen you and I have seen everything about this done better, not just once, but multiple times. It's worth watching for a crazy fucking cast that just you will never see something like this again. No, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it unless you haven't seen the thing. If you haven't seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers, then you might enjoy this, but. I mean, look at the reviews, 66, 55%, 57%. It's not terrible. It's just not great. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. You? Would I recommend this movie? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, it's one of those, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm ripping it apart reviewing it because this isn't really how you should watch this movie. But in all honesty, it's like, if you watch this movie because you're just doing nothing one night and you figure you just want to throw something on there's so much worse you could put on there's so yeah. much better you could put on but it's like yeah why not it didn't feel like a waste of time it just wasn't a good movie so okay sure i felt like at least 15 to 20 minutes of it was a waste of time you know what i mean though <laughs> i know it's like but that i think that's the most telling aspect of the recommendation where it's like What's your thoughts on it? It's just the most so-so whatever thing I can think of. Yeah, I don't think either of us regret watching it or talking. I had fun talking about it. It's just, it's just a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
So that's our thoughts on the faculty. If you want to share your thoughts with us, you can hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter at BS Bargain Bin, Facebook.com slash BS Bargain Bin, BS and YouTube.com slash at BS Bargain Don't forget, we do have t-shirts available on our merch store, which you can find the link on BS Ben. Yes. Sticking to 1998. Mm-hmm. What are we watching next week? Well, our lineup for this month is already out there. Uh, so anybody paying attention to any of the socials already know what we're covering. A Dean Kuntz film adaptation. We are covering 1998's Phantoms. I guess it's kind of cute in a dorky sort of way. Is it always this quiet? No. No, it isn't. really out there. It's just trying to bait us. Like your deputy at the inn. Until next week, have a good one. All the best.